Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you uh, for showing up here today. I thank you for giving me utterance. I thank you for the anointing. Father, give every individual here a specific rhema for them. Give them uh, uh, thoughts and ideas and, and answers to questions and, and so they can make course corrections in life so that we can enjoy all the riches, honor, and life that you have for us. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're on conscience, uh, part 11, strong conscience. Before I start that, we just had that uh, scripture, uh, Psalm 119, verse 98, where it said, My commandments, your com- uh, you've made me wise, your commandments made me wiser than my enemies, for they are with me always. Well, Jennings and I were talking about it this week, and he's like, You know, when I was reading it, it looks like your commandments are with me always, not your enemies. And, I'm, and I was like, You know what, I like that better. And then I looked at it, and I meditated on it, and he's absolutely right. Because last night I was laying in bed, I didn't have any enemies with me. Thank God. I just had my wife. <laughs> Uh, but I had his commandments, and so uh, so I'm going to uh, make that correction. Your enemies aren't always with you. It's just commandments that are always with you, and I like that better, that his commandments are with us better. And so I, I read it wrong uh, on the fly, but, you know, I'm not perfect. Thank God that uh, we're watching out for each other. Amen? Amen. Okay, go to the first one here. Was it Romans 9 and verse 1? We're talking about conscience. It says this, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. And we saw that, uh, go to the next one, conscience is the voice of our uh, born-again human spirit. And it really means in the Greek, co-perceptor. And you have the same ability to perceive or sense intuitively everything that the Holy Spirit senses or perceives. And we saw this in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 17. You all know this scripture yet? But he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So what happens when you get born again? Uh, God's spirit mixes with your spirit like putting coffee or a cup of coffee and putting creamer in it. And it mixes together. You can't separate it anymore. Right? You, all, you all have that picture? In your, okay, so that's... So you have the ability to know everything that God knows. That's big. Don't just brush over that. And when you get born again, built into you is the ability to co-perceive everything with the Holy Ghost. And now what we want to do, and this is what we're learning in this series, is how do I get it from my spirit to the rest of my being? My soul, my mind, will, and emotions, and my body. Don't we need it there? Because that's where we're living, right? I mean, I don't need it in theory. I need real life, real time. I need to, show, I need to know what God knows while I'm going through life. I don't need it on Sunday. I really don't need it on Sunday. Now, this is safe in here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, we need to know it on Monday. Okay, so go to the next one. We saw that there's, there's two types of conscience, good and evil. Good conscience is the voice of the born-again human spirit. Uh, that, uh, it brings peace. It confirms. Uh, you know, uh, it brings peace of mind. The next one is an evil conscience, which we don't have if you're born again. This is what they had in the Old Testament. People that aren't born again have. And it's full of labors. It's the voice of guilt. That's why the law came. That's why God gave the law. Because until He could get us to have our own conscience, our own co-perceptor, it had to make us feel guilty about, hey, wait, I crossed a boundary. Because those people, they didn't realize they were crossing boundaries. So, you know, if you didn't have pain in your body and you start hitting your hand with a hammer, but you didn't feel it, what would happen? Your hand would turn into hamburger. That's why we have pain in our body. It's a warning system. Hey, wait a minute, stop hitting your hand with that hammer. It's not, it wasn't built to make it mess us all up. Although man has twisted it that way, and so is hell, and so now people run entire lives and countries and religions and denominations off guilt and manipulating people. It doesn't belong to us. We're washed from it. If you're feeling guilty, red flag, that's not from God. Go to the next one. We're washed of an evil conscience, so I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Right, but the Bible talks about six conditions of a good conscience. Really, it's three conditions. It's just positive and negative of each. And we saw this pure and defiled Weak and strong, seared or calloused and tender, and uh, we're on strong. We're working on strong. But go back, we'll just go to the next one for a minute. Remember, pure conscience, here's the number one way to keep your conscience pure is that it's free from every admixture of what is false. So a really good lie has a lot of truth in it and just a little bit of what's false, an admixture of what's false. That's a good lie. 
I mean, you know, if, if, if it's all false, you can spot that one right away. Right? Like, uh, I just came in here and told you I walked across the pool today. See, y'all laughing because that's a, you know, that's a stupid lie, right? But if I told you, you know, I swam 500 laps this morning, you might believe that one more than if I walked across the pool. Is it right? Right? And uh, so we want to keep our conscience pure, free from any admixture of what's false. All right, go to the next one. Remember we saw this in 1 Timothy 3, verse 9. It said, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. If your faith didn't work, it's because your conscience was defiled somewhere. You didn't have a pure conscience. Red flag, okay? Go to the next one, man. Defiled conscience, we saw I used to, I like the word violate better than defiled because it's this, an unauthorized intrusion or assault uh, on, on your airspace. Your conscience, the part of you that's mixed with God, will never allow an assault on it voluntarily. It'll never say, yeah, let's be sick. Because that's an assault. Or let's be in lack. Let's not have enough money to pay the bills this month. Your spirit will never go, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> okay? So if you you understand that and you're mixed with the Lord, then you understand that God didn't put sickness on you because if your spirit who's mixed with the Lord wouldn't agree to it, God can't do it to you. He's not going to agree to it either because you're mixed with Him. You agree with whatever He... Your spirit will agree with whatever He agrees with. You all found that? All right, so we wanted to push our airspace out and make sure that we're not fighting all the violations here in our body in the center of our being at ground zero. I don't want to fight sickness once it's in my body. If I could fight it out here, and we do that by, you know, a lot of that is with what you say. You all know, I mean, this is simple stuff, but how I many know people, anybody get freaked out by the tuberculosis thing this week? No, you know why we didn't get freaked out about it? Because we've already pushed our airspace out. But even if the guy was sitting next to us on the plane, it ain't going to affect me any. Because right. it's not my covenant. I've pushed out my airspace. If I, oh, I don't know. Now I'm weak and probably about to get defiled. All right, go to the next one. We saw this, Acts 24 and verse 16 says, And herein do I exercise who? Myself. Myself to have a, always a conscience void of offense towards God and man. So you have to exercise your conscience. I can't exercise your conscience. You can't exercise mine. My wife can't exercise mine. I can't exercise hers. We all are responsible to exercise our own conscience. I mean, that's the same thing with your body. Isn't that true? If you're going to exercise your body, you've got to do it. Okay, go to the next one. We saw this that a weak conscience means that you're without strength, you're feeble, powerless, or needy. Now listen, I wanna I gotta keep putting this in remembrance. This is not talking about weak flesh. Jesus said the spirit is ready, but the flesh is weak. So your flesh will always be weak. Your flesh will never be strong. Flesh is weak. If you have flesh, it's weak. Everybody with that? And so the only way you're going to have strength is when your spirit, the voice box of your spirit, the voice of your spirit, conscience gets strong. Because listen. Your spirit is not going to get any stronger than it is when you got born again. Y'all follow that? If you're mixed with the Lord, it's as strong as who? The Lord. Right. He, he isn't making anybody weak. If He's mixing with you, you're already as strong as you're going to get. Your spirit. But what we don't have is the, how strong is the voice of our spirit to transfer all that information to my mind, my will, and my emotions, and my body. Y'all follow that? The stronger that the voice of my spirit is, the more dominant that the voice of my spirit is over my mind, will, and emotions in my body, then the stronger I'm going to be. But if my conscience is weak and it's like whispering, no, don't eat ooey gooey butter cake, right? And then I eat it anyway, and then I get all nasty and lazy, and you know, and then I get sick, right? It's because my spirit, my conscience was weak, not my spirit was weak, because my spirit would never agree with getting sick. Y'all following this? That's why we're talking about conscience. I want, my, I want the voice of my spirit to be strong. Alright, so go to the next one. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 14 says this, Now we exhort you, brethren, 
Warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak, but be patient or refuse to give up on all men. Be patient towards all men. Don't give up on them. So, if you're unruly, we'll warn you. If you're weak, but you're wanting to become strong, we'll support you. I'll spend resources. I'll spend time. I'll invest into you getting strong. However, if you're feeble-minded, I'll comfort you and move on. I won't waste one dime or one minute on you. Isn't that what this says? I'll comfort you, give you the patronizing backpack. That's okay, baby. And oh, that's a shame. I'll say nice stuff to you, right? But, but I'm not going to waste time to try and get you strong. Now, if you're weak and you want to be strong, then I'll help you. I'll support you. That's what this is telling me to do. Y'all following that? Because there's a lot of people that'll suck. They'll ever live in life out of you that are feeble-minded. They'll suck all your resources. This is why God is not need-driven. That's why there's, you know, famines all across the country and there's people that don't, you know, people in poverty. Why? Because these, and I'm telling you, this is hard. It's not popular, but it's true. People that stay in lack their whole life, they're feeble-minded. Read the book of Proverbs. You cannot be diligent and work hard and stay poor and in lack. It's impossible. Oh, that didn't go over too good. All right. Well, listen, over here, watch this. Okay, so feeble-minded actually means in the Greek, it means... Puny soul. That's what actually what it means. Or puny-minded, puny emotions. Puny will. That's what feeble-minded means. Actually, in the Greek, that's what it means. So look over here in First or Second Timothy. Y'all can quote this, but I want you to look at it. Second Timothy 1. Put your eyeballs on it so you know I'm not just, you know, not preacher's words. Well, preacher, you know what he said. All right, look over here. Second Timothy 1 and verse 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now that Greek word sound mind they translated here is the exact same word as discipline or self-discipline. If you're feeble-minded, you got a puny mind and a puny emotion. What it is is you're undisciplined. You're, okay. He said, if you've you got an undisciplined person with their mind, will, and emotions... Those are feeble-minded people. Comfort them, but don't waste any time supporting them. And I, you could look at Jesus' life and see that he moved on. You know, you remember like, okay, I'll even give you one. We would even consider this guy feeble-minded, the rich young ruler. Do you remember that guy? And Jesus said, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then follow me. And he went away sad. Did Jesus go after him and say, no, no, wait, no, I'll, you know, just give a little bit. You know what he did? He said, see ya, I got a thing. He didn't waste one more second on him. Did he? Did he chase him down because he had a lot of money? You know, uh, you know, he could be good for the ministry, Jesus. He got a lot of cash. Why don't you be nice to him? Right? right? Okay. All right. So, if you, here, here's a key to getting strong is to be disciplined. And if you've got to exercise yourself, you have to be self-disciplined. But I mean, the weak people are not self-disciplined. Spiritually weak people are not self-disciplined. So what do you need to hook up with somebody who will help get you disciplined until you can do it on your own, until you are self-disciplined? That's really the job of the five-fold ministry. Apostles, prophets, pastors, you know, you know, the clergy. Instead of what their job is, is to help you come alongside of you like my drill instructor did in boot camp and run with me and do all the push-ups with me and do all the obstacle courses with me, get in the mud with me until I could do it on my own. That's also your job. 
Once you become strong is to find somebody who's weaker than you that wants to come along, put your arm around side, and then go. And this is how, this is the model that Jesus used to build the church. He started out with 12. One of them fell away. He got 11, right? By the time we got to the upper room, we had 120. Isn't that what these guys were doing? Okay. All right. Well, I'm way off the notes. I have no idea where we're at here. Hang on just a second. Let me catch up. Okay, go to the next one. We'll get back on. Okay, now look. Luke 2 and verse 38. We're talking about Jesus when he was a little baby. It said, And when they had performed all the things according to the law of the Lord, that means he got circumcised as a baby in the temple, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth, and the child Jesus grew, and he waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now listen. I just told you that your spirit is as strong as it's going to get. That's true. When God looks at you, you're perfect on his end. You understand, when he looks at you, you're perfect. There's nothing that you can do or cannot do that will change the fact that you're perfect in his eyes. However, you've got to grow up from being a baby. Just when you were born physically, you've got to grow up and develop physically. Spiritually, when you get born again, you're a baby, and you've got to grow up until your spirit dominates spiritually and be a son. We're going from a baby to a child to a full-grown son. That's what Jesus had to go through the same process. He waxed strong in spirit. What it really says in the Greek is that his spirit took over the dominant position. His spirit began to dominate his body. And it was a process. Not that he grew stronger, but what he did is he grew more dominant in his spirit. Do you all follow that? This is the process of growing up, is that your spirit becomes more dominant on all your decisions. Your spirit becomes more dominant over your body, your mind, your will, and emotions. And your spirit is the one that's running the show. Now, if Jesus had to go through that process, don't you think we're going to have to? So don't beat yourself up over it if you're experiencing growing pains or there's times when your spirit isn't dominating when you want it to. Oh, Andrew, that's so good. It is because what will happen is hell will try and get you off and think, well, you blew that one. And then keep you in that cycle of, well, I'm feeling guilty, I'm feeling bad because I didn't do as good, I didn't perform. Well, in God's eyes, you're perfect anyway. It doesn't matter whether you blew that one or you didn't blow that one. Dust yourself off and move on because we're going to be strong. The only way to do that is to exercise. I mean, you ever heard that no pain, no gain? That happens spiritually too. So what if we make some mistakes? The, the biggest mistake will be is if we don't dust ourselves off and keep moving. That's the big one. And a lot of Christians do that. And then they, they go back to this feeble-minded state where I will just have to comfort you. Okay, go to the next one. We saw that word. I just explained it to you. It's from the Greek word kratos. To, uh, to wax strong it means to dominate or have dominion. Go to the next one. Now... 1 Corinthians 16.1 and verse 13, it says this, Watch ye, be on guard or be vigilant, stand fast in the faith, quit you or act you like men, and be strong. Now, if you put in the word, the quotes, be strong, put that in quotes and run it through your uh, net sword or esword.net, whatever it is, you'll find out that every time that it says be strong, it's always written in a military warrior culture context. Okay, so before I can really even go on about this, we got to understand some stuff about the warrior culture. Isn't that right? So I just remember that. Warrior culture, go to the next one. Now think of that as in the military warrior culture context. Be strong, and here's what these words mean. It's a list of about 30 words. Powerful, mighty, stalwart, vigorous, energetic, sturdy, stout, solid, durable, sound, resolute, determined, 
tenacious, firm, unyielding. Let me say that one again. I put it in bold because I like it. Unyielding. If you're going to be strong, you've got to be what? Unyielding. Don't take that out on the road and drive like that, though. Courageous. Pastor Andrew said be unyielding. Woohoo! Hit the gas, baby. Courageous, forceful. Now watch how it builds. Intense, fervent, effective, undiluted, extraordinary, and then this extreme, emphatic, severe, even harsh, drastic, and radical. These are all words taken right out of uh, Roger's thesaurus for strong. Now look at your, you've got to take your own self-assessment in your life. Are you these things? Because if you're not these things in your life, then you're not strong. Now, most people, they'll look at the weak list and see, oh, well, without strength and feeble and needy, you're probably not that either. So you're in the middle somewhere, isn't that right? You know? But we don't want, you know, and, and Jesus said, if you're hot or cold, I dig you better than if you're lukewarm or somewhere in the middle, because there you make me sick and I'll spit you out. So we've got to either go to one way or the other. If you go back towards feeble-minded, we'll comfort you, your life will stink. You're still going to heaven. No, Jesus still loves you. You're still perfect in His eyes. Do you all follow that? But your life here won't be very good. You'll be, getting in, you'll be in the washing machine of life. And the best that I can do for you is comfort you. Or we can move on and get out of the state that we're in and go be strong, and then we can win in life. And then we can have everything that He promised us that we could have, which is riches, honor, and life. It fits in those three categories. Right? If, and I'll say this, the level that you're... Uh, you're between the weak and the strong meter is the level that you'll enjoy all of His equity, riches, honor, and life. The stronger you are, the more you'll enjoy. The weaker you are, the less you're going to enjoy. Now, and I'll bear this out in the Scripture here in just a second. Go to the next one. All right, we ain't going there yet. Come over here to uh, 2 Timothy 2. We kind of finished up here last week. Now, talking about, watch this. We'll start reading here and then we'll get into this uh, warrior culture stuff. Because how many know in the warrior culture there isn't any weak? Is there? No, we send them to the Air Force. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) All right. I know. It's sad but true. Truth hurts sometimes. Or, you know. Anyway, watch this. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong. Now, Timothy is a pastor of a big church. in the city of Ephesus, which is the book of Ephesians was written to, which we'll connect that up here in a minute. But he's the pastor. He's the one in charge of this big church. So how many know, if he needs to be told, be strong, well, and he's the pastor, what about everybody else? Okay? So, But it starts at the top and works down. He said, "...in the things that you have heard from me, from among many witnesses, the same you shall commit to what kind of men? Faithful men." who shall also be able to do what? Teach Teach others. So you be strong, then find you faithful people. Now you know what this tells me? And this is true, because in the natural this is true. And natural things mirror or reflect spiritual things. There will be very few people that will actually be strong. That will go teach others. Think Think of warrior culture. Think of the military. Think of special forces, Navy SEALs, Delta, Recon. Are they big or are they small? I mean, a lot of people trying to get in there, but how many of them make it? Okay? So listen, 
We don't judge you if you don't make the team or whatever, but don't be trying to teach me nothing if you're not strong. Because what are you going to teach me? To be what? Weak. Okay. Verse 3, it says this, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now we're back to this warrior culture thing. The whole entire Bible was written during a time that the whole planet understood warrior culture or the military culture. Really, right now in America, this is the first generation we don't understand it. And, and, the, and here, here's a red flag that we call the World War II generation, the greatest generation. You know why we call them that? They're not really. They're just the last generation that this culture had that understood military and warrior culture, that they understood what it meant to have go beyond yourself and to sacrifice and to get shoulder to shoulder with somebody else because it ain't going to work if I'm just doing it by myself. That was the last generation that, that understood it in this nation. If you don't understand that, you can't understand the Bible, really. And I'll tell you, the, the seek, see, people will be like, Andrew, how do you have such a good understanding? Because what I've done is take everything that I know from the warrior culture that's good and applied it in my Christian walk. Everything that I learned from the Marine Corps that was good, and I told you about that last week, that I had leaders that conferred their trust into me and trusted me to go forward and become leaders. I never learned that from anybody in the body of Christ. They're always trying to keep me down my, by people that are supposed to be making me strong because they're afraid I'm going to get ahead of them. i got somebody that's not even born again teaching me, no, go, 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 and trying to you know, pave the way for me. That's warrior culture. See, in the Marine Corps, even, even, the Marine Corps is really the only service that we have left that has this culture throughout the service. Now, all the special forces have it, but the Army, Navy, and the Air Force, they really don't have it because they're too big, to be honest with you. The Marine Corps is an elite unit, but the whole entire Marine Corps is built on Every Marine is a rifleman first. So everybody's a warrior first, then you do your specialty later. There's no room for individualism in the Marine Corps. When I got there, they shaved my head, they took all my clothes, they stripped me of individualism, and what they did, now there's no room for one anymore. That whole army of one thing is an absolute joke, okay, because there is no army of one. What they do is they take individuals and mesh them into a single unit. That's warrior culture. Now it sounds an awful lot like, let's say it, religiously and say we need to be fitly joined. Y'all starting to understand that? Now listen, I'm going to read. I have it memorized, but I want to read it so I don't mess it up. This is the mission of the Marine Corps. They drill it into you the second that you get there. Here it is. The mission of the United States Marine Corps is to close with and destroy the enemy by fire and maneuver and assault by fire in close combat. That's the mission of warrior culture. To close with, that means we don't run from the enemy, we go towards them, and we destroy them. And we do it by bigger firepower, and if we have to go hand-to-hand, we will. Now, hey, no Marine, okay, everyone, let's go, guys, and he took off running. Did y'all ever see, like, a, what was that movie, Old School, where he yelled streaking, and then everybody, and he's there by himself? How'd that work out for him? Not too good. No, they're all right here, and he turned around, there's nobody there. That ain't warrior culture. Warrior culture is if one of us goes, we all go. Because somebody's going to die if they go by themselves. Y'all following me? Okay. All right, so now here's the next statement out of the Marine Corps guidebook. It says, A Marine has always been feared by his aggressiveness, his lack of fear to everything around him, no matter the environment, the enemy, or the task. I mean, when when I got to boot camp, that wasn't how I was. And neither was anybody else. I was scared like crazy when I put my feet on the yellow footprints and the drill instructors, bah! 
But if I want, and I look at what happened in this church over the last two years, what it is, we've been stripped down to everything that we thought we knew, which is what they did when I got to boot camp. They stripped us down to everything, then they started putting it back all together, but making it as a team. And to know that I can't survive as an individual, and that I'm only as strong as the weakest link. And what they did is if one of us messed up, everybody got punished. Well, that don't sound fair, does it? No, but that's warrior culture. That's the military culture. That's how this entire book that we call the Bible, it was written in warrior culture. You can, I mean, look at... And today, the Israelis, they still live in warrior culture, the entire nation. Everybody serves in the military. They all know that we could blow up and get killed at any moment. So what happens is we've gotten so lazy and complacent here in this nation that we don't even understand warrior culture, then we can't figure out why the Word don't work the way Because the Word was written on the basis of that everybody should know what warrior culture is. We should all know that we have to fight together, that we all come together, that we all fight as a single unit, and that we all might have to make sacrifices, and that we're only as strong as the weakest link. But this country was built on rugged individualism, so we kind of got it backwards in America. We're all about the individual. There's no room for that in the body of Christ. You can do your stuff. Look, when I was in the Marine Corps, I still had, you know, I still had my, you know, I had my Swatch watch. <laughs> How many know, but I didn't wear it to formation. <laughs> you, you follow that? You, you know, it's not that they totally got rid of all that's Andrew, but when it's time to get shoulder to shoulder in formation, and now, you know, my individualism time is over. I'm part of the unit now. Okay. All right, so let's keep reading over here in 2 Timothy. He said, No man in verse 4 that warreth, really it takes on a military campaign, it says in the Greek, or in lists, entangleth himself, or gets entangled with the affairs of this life, that's the word bios, or natural life, that he may please him who has chosen him or recruited him to be a soldier. Now, even in the natural... You can't entangle in the natural. If you're in the military, you can't get entangled with the affairs of this life. Does that mean you don't have a life? No, I have a life. But how many know when they said, listen, we're going to Panama in 15 minutes, get your gear and be on the tarmac, we're going to go take out Noriega. And I said, well, you know, my kid's got a little league game. How, how would that go over? Yet we'll do it all the time in the body of Christ. Oh, I got a thing, Sorry. Now, did he say you couldn't do the thing? No, he said don't let it entangle you. That means when it's time, when it's time as a unit to go into battle, and it's time as a unit, there's a formation, there isn't, I got a thing. You can have the thing as long as there is not, we're not called to battle. You can have a thing as long as we're not together as a unit. But when it's time to come together and we're fighting, and you got a thing, it doesn't just hurt you, it hurts the rest of the unit. What if I didn't show up? Now we're missing somebody. There's, some, there's something missing. What if everybody did that? And if one person did it, and this is how it is in the military, right? If one person gets away with it, everybody could get away with it. Now, you have kids? How many know if you got kids, right? If we say, you know, there's no jumping on the furniture, not one of them can, and the other one can't. Is that right? Okay. This is, this is, this is what... This is talking about to be strong, you've got to enter into this mindset of I'm, in, I'm a soldier for Jesus Christ. And all of you think that Jesus was just a manby pamby guy, come over here to Revelation, that he ain't a soldier. You know Jesus is a warrior? Mm-hmm. You know, 
This is why the Jews missed him coming the first time, because most of the prophecies are about him as a warrior. They're looking for a warrior. They're going to get him. Revelation 19. And verse 11 says this, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. Who's that? It's Jesus. And in righteousness doth he judge and make war. He makes what? Jesus? No. Not Jesus. He wears a toga and brother love and Birkenstocks or flip-flops with a bottle opener on the bottom. That Jesus? He makes war? Yeah. And look, and his eyes were as flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no man knew but himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name was called the Word of God. In case you didn't know it was Jesus, now you do. And look what happens in verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him on white horses. Now you know who that is? That's the body of Christ. You know why Jesus is going to rapture us out of here and take seven years before he can bring us back? Because he's got to do some serious boot camp with these people because we don't know how to fight a war. This is a real war, Armageddon. You're going to take these mamby-pamby, oh, put your head on a pillow of promises and all that junk and fight war. This is all about warrior culture and military and fighting as a unit. Now, now you're right there in Revelation. Come back just a couple, go to chapter 1. Chapter 1 and verse 6 says this, And He hath made us kings and priests unto God and His Father, for Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. He hath made us, past tense, He already has made us what? Kings, kings and priests. You got to understand two things. With the kings, you can get this one easy. How I many know you ain't a king in, in the times that this was written unless you made war, unless you were a warrior? Because well, if you weren't, they would just assassinate you. Isn't that true? And the second thing is priests. Do you know how the Levites got to become priests? Because they were the first ones to strap on their swords and get to killing after the golden calf. Do you all remember that? With the golden calf. And Moses came down with the tablets. Fifteen, ten, I mean, no. Right? Just making sure you're all awake. And then Moses said, well, I'm with the Lord. And everybody who's with the Lord, come over here. And everybody said, yeah, well, we're with the calf. And God said, you've got to kill all the people that are with the calf. Who's going to do it? And all the Levites, the tribe of Levites, they strapped on their swords and went and it said they killed their brothers, their sisters, their neighbors, anybody that was against the Lord, they went and took them out. Warriors stood side by side, went through the camp, killing folk. And you know what they were rewarded with? The priesthood. Starting to get to understand God's mindset a little bit? Now look back over here in 2 Timothy. I'm going to read this again. I want to blow over this about entangling ourselves in the affairs of life. Therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. Who's chosen you? Who chose us? Yeah, Jesus did. 
Because he's who are we going to be? Who are we warring with? Who are we a soldier of? It says in the ver- Jesus Christ, right? Now, let's not believe what I said. I want to know what Jesus says about this whole thing. Go over to Luke 14. Because I don't, I don't care what I think. I don't care what you think. I don't care what man thinks. I want to know what God thinks and think that. Amen? Mm-hmm. All right. So let's see what you says. I'm going to be, I'm supposed to endure hardness. We don't like to talk about that either. But in the Marine Corps, I mean, everything became a minor inconvenience. We're in the middle of a typhoon. Ah, don't worry. Oh, mind over matter. If you don't mind, it don't matter. Everything's a minor inconvenience. That's enduring hardness as a good soldier. Whining about it is not going to change the situation. We're in battle. We're in a battle array. The only place we've got to go is forward and uh, dealing with the weather and your conditions and your environment. Guess what? The only way that's going to change is when you accomplish your mission. Whining about it ain't going to help. So if you're tired of the conditions you're living in, be a good soldier. Let's go accomplish the mission. Okay. Luke 14 and verse 25. Now watch this. Here goes Jesus again, you know, being self-destructive with his ministry. And there went a great multitude with him. So a lot of people following him, listening to his teaching. A lot of people. And so he turned and then he said to them, Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Pass the offering bucket. You guys are great. He said, If any man comes to me and doesn't hate, his father and his mother and his wife and his children and his brethren and his sisters and yeah, even his own life, uh, you can't be my disciple. How you know? I bet the multitudes got thinned out pretty quick before he even got to the next verse. Don't, he said, if you don't hate your mama and your daddy and your wife and your kids and even yourself, you can't be my disciple or my disciplined one. Now, what he said? We're reading. It's written in red in my Bible. It's Jesus talking, not me. Now, did he say you can't be born again? No. He said you can't be my disciple or my disciplined one. Now, remember, remember, remember? Comfort the feeble-minded or the undisciplined. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind or discipline. If you want to be strong, you've got to be disciplined. So if you want to be disciplined or a disciple, you're going to be the strong one. There's very few people that actually... Attain to the rank of disciple in the body of Christ. Discipline one. Very few. There's very few people that end up being strong. Why? Because it says here, that you got. are you kidding me? i got to hate my father, my mother, my wife. What it's saying is you can't entangle yourself with that if we got a mission. Same thing in warrior culture. In the Marine Corps, it didn't matter what was going on in my life personally. If we got a thing, mount up, get your gear, we're going. You know, following that? Otherwise, you can't be, you can't hold the title Marine. If you're going to be a Marine, when the Marines call you, we go. There isn't. I got a thing. Oh wait, you know, uh, you know, I got that birthday party thing. I sorry, I can't go to Iraq. <clears throat> but even now, the we'll all, you know, even the liberal media will look down on somebody that says after they signed up and they went through training and then they decided, well, I only did it for the college money. I'm not going. Yeah, you seen stories like that, haven't you? Even the liberal media thinks, well, you didn't fulfill your commitment. What did you sign up for? The college money? You had to know what you were getting into. Well, I don't, I don't agree with the war. Then what are you doing in the military? 
Right? In verse 27, he says, And whosoever does not bear his cross, or actually it says in the Greek, bear his self-denial, and come after me, cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sits not down first, continues the, counts the cost, and if he has enough to finish it, lest happily after the foundation is laid, and he's not able to finish it, behold, all will begin to mock him, saying, this is the man that began to build and wasn't able to finish it. Now watch this. Or what king going to make war against another king, sits not down first, consults whether he be able to, with 10,000, be able to meet him that comes against him with 20,000. Or else, while the, uh, while the other is a great way off, he sends an ambassador and desires conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever of you will not forsake all that he has cannot become my disciple." Now, we learned that Peter said, I forsake everything and followed you, but he still had the fishing business, didn't he? Because he went back to it as soon as Jesus died. He still had the house. He still had the wife and the mother-in-law. We found out the word forsake means that everything else is taken a back seat to whatever Jesus. Remember this from holiness? This is what holiness is, patriotism. When I went to boot camp and what they did is they shaved my head and took all my individualism away, what they really did was circumcise my heart where I cut away all my individual stuff and now my mission is no longer my mission in life. My mission now marries up to whatever the Marine Corps mission is. Same thing we're talking about in the body of Christ. When you circumcise, remember from weak faith to strong faith, circumcise your heart, holiness is the bridge. You've got to cut away all your stuff. It ain't your dream anymore. I'm going to dream whatever dream that God has for me. Because his dream is way bigger than whatever puny little one you got anyway. Isn't it? It's big, isn't it? It's very big. Huge. Then you've got to realize that this dream came from God and watch it grow. And when you go after that one, you can't get it while you're weak. Because the dream's so big, whatever he's got put on the inside of you, it's so big that you can't get it while you're weak. It's impossible. You can't do it weak. And I'll tell you this, you can't do it by yourself either. Come over here to Ephesians 6 now. We've got it up here on the screen for you, I think. Ephesians 6. Now, this is the other half of this. This is Paul writing to the people sitting under Timothy's ministry. And he says in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. We're right back to warrior culture again, aren't we? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against rulers of darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places of the atmosphere. Now I said this last week. If you're, going to be, if you're strong, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I know a lot of people, they still wrestle against flesh and blood in the body of Christ. Don't you? That's because they're not strong. It's a red flag. Not only did they not dominate their own flesh and blood, they're dealing with somebody else on that level of flesh and blood. So that's why they, get, they take offense over so-and-so said so-and-so to me and you know what they did me wrong and all that. You're dealing with, you're contending or wrestling with flesh and blood. You haven't pushed your airspace out further than flesh and blood. You're weak. Now, he says put on the armor. Right? Anybody have their helmet of salvation on right now? Do you? Okay. I've got a hammer right over there on the shelf. Let me test your helmet of salvation. Will it work against flesh and blood? 
If you're contending against flesh and blood, your armor is worthless. Your shield of faith ain't going to stop nothing because... Anybody got their shield of faith? I got a boot on that will go right through it. Anybody want to test it? Come on up here and hold your shield of faith up against my boots as I'm kicking them. If you're wrestling against flesh and blood, your armor ain't going to work. Then you wonder why it didn't work. Because you're still contending against flesh and blood. If you try to take this armor up against flesh and blood and that's where you're contending against, it ain't going to work. Is it? If you're wrestling with symptoms in your body and you're not going against the cause, you can speak the word all you want over your symptoms and nothing change. If you're because you're, you're wrestling against flesh and blood. So what do I got to do? I got to go take whatever thing that you better get to the doctor. If you're wrestling against flesh and blood, the only way you're going to get over that is fighting it with flesh and blood. So Kimmy said the other day, how come we, you know, like a cold or the flu, well, you know, we can't, you know, it gets us bigger than cancer. I said, because cancer people understand that's spiritual, that they can't wrestle the symptoms. They have to go after the cause and fight cancer. You can't, you, you can't fight it with symptoms. Most people, they can't even tell the cancer's in their body anyway until it gets too far. Right? You understand? That's spiritual. Every sickness is spiritual. So hell's trying to kill you. But if you're going to wrestle against flesh and blood, none of this armor is going to work. Let's read what the armor is. He said, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness. What's truth? The Word, right? So you gird yourself up with the Word. That holds the whole outfit together. It's the belt. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is your equity with God. Riches, honor, and life. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Put your boots on. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you'll be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Will the Word help you any if you're wrestling against flesh and blood? Now, you ever seen like those exorcist movies where they're holding the Bible up against the demon? <laughs> right? You ever seen that? Big dummy. You're about to get killed. Yeah, but we ain't, you know, people are like, oh, I got the arm. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Yes, you do. Unless you're strong. And most people in the body of Christ, they haven't got over their own flesh and blood against somebody else's. And then you try and, you know, get up there with your shield of faith and hold back arrows. I don't know why the word didn't work. Because you're, if you're wrestling against flesh and blood, the shield of faith ain't going to help you none. You're like, yeah, no, it won't. I just, got, I just gave you two examples. You got the helmet of salvation, I got a hammer, I'll hit you on the head. Is your helmet going to work against a hammer? Not if you're wrestling against flesh and blood. The word's working exactly how it's written. Until you get strong, this armor is worthless to you. If you're wrestling against flesh and blood, you're weak. If you don't dominate your flesh and you can't get beyond somebody else, you know, doing you wrong. And that's where you're fighting the fight is always on that level of flesh and blood. This armor is worthless to you. And, I'll tell you this, this armor is worthless to you if you're acting as an individual. In this time that this was written, was under uh, Roman rule. They used a military formation that was started by the Greeks long before them called the phalanx. You ever heard of it? Okay, I'll explain to you what it is. Because we, you know, and if you don't understand that, you can't understand what Paul's talking about. 
But he assumes because while he's writing it, everybody knows this because it's a way of life for them. They still use it today in most every military formation. It's the basis of it. But where you can really see it working, have you ever seen like riots and protests with riot police? Capitol Police uses a phalanx when we do crowd control. What we do is we take our shields of their plexiglass now. They go from about my knee to my, my neck, and there's a leather strap that you put your forearm through and you grab, okay? And I have my PR-24, which you would say is a nightstick. Got our helmet on. We got our body armor. We got our boots. We got all this armor that they're saying, and we get shoulder to shoulder, shield to shield. Now, you could take 30 cops that are well-trained, shield to shield, shoulder to shoulder, in a phalanx like that, and walk down the street and push 30,000 people away. And we could control 30,000 people with about 30. But the line is only as strong as the weakest link. All 30, if one of them breaks, the whole thing's going to come apart. Everybody's got to be shoulder to shoulder. Now, back in the Roman times, the archers would shoot arrows that had flames on them. Now what they do is throw bricks and beer bottles in these rides. You ever seen it in Molotov cocktails? Your shield will hold as long as the guy next to you is holding his shield. The guy next to you is holding his shield. And now we hold the line. We stand. Having done all, stand. Here comes the attack. If you by yourself, you're screwed. You are. There, you cannot fight. You're worthless by yourself. Completely. If the unit falls apart. So here's what we got. Now the leader of that phalanx, he's yelling, hold the line. Hold the line as stuck bricks are landing on your shield. It's scary. Then they start coming at you with two-by-fours, baseball bats, and crowbars. And I'm thinking, crowbar against plastic shield. This is not good. Fire the gas, right? Now, this over the weekend I saw that over the G8, the German police got routed. So I looked at the video. Why did these guys withdraw? Because their phalanx broke down. They're all spread out. They're all here and the line is crazy. They're not together. No, you get shoulder to shoulder and we don't get fitly joined. You buck in and you don't move and you better hold the line. And the weak person, you know what? I need to replace you. I can't have somebody weak on the front line because we're all going down. There's no dishonor in that. Be weak or feeble-minded. We'll comfort you. I'll support you, but I can't have you on the front line. There's very few people at Capitol Police that are in their CDU squad, the riot squad. And out of that group, there's a very few that will actually go into a situation like that. And they're all the people they like to hide. Because on a regular basis, you don't want the warrior running around the Capitol. Because it's not nice. Because they're harsh and unyielding. So they'll put you in the basement somewhere until they need you, and then they'll take you out and dust you out. Then that's what society does with the warriors today. We have, when we got Delta Force or Navy SEALs, when they're done, we did it with Vietnam vets. We're doing it with Iraqi vets and Afghan vets right now. When you have that mindset, you can't really like, you know, get along in regular society anymore. That's why Jesus said you're a peculiar people. You can't, you're in this world, but you're not of it. You can't get along. If you're going to be a warrior in the army of Jesus Christ, you can't get along in society anymore. Naturally, you can't. You know you're not going to spiritually. You, you better keep the phalanx tight. You better get in tight and keep your armor. And how many of you know that formation where we're in tight and I got my helmet on all my gear. I didn't live like that. You, I didn't walk around like that. All 30 of us going to the store. All 30 of us going to the bathroom. All 30 of us. You, you understand? 
you, you're not gonna, you can't live like that. But when it's, when it's battle time, you need to come, we need to be able to, and you know what, we just didn't do it once a year when the protesters came out for the World you know, Trade Organization. We had training. Once a week we're together doing our formations. Echelon left, echelon right. And we do this thing called stomp and drag. Where, listen, this will scare you, man. You get 30 guys in all black and shields and helmets and they stomp their first foot and drag the next one. When we go six inches at a time, I'll push 30,000 people right down the street. I mean, but if somebody's like scared, now the 30,000 see weakness and now we're coming after you. Hell does the same thing. We're talking about being strong. There's a lot to it. Strong conscience. It's always been. It's always written in the in the in the warrior culture context. Being fitly joined, going shoulder to shoulder with each other. But you can't do it by yourself. You'll get killed. Life will kick you in the teeth. That's why, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And be careful where you're going, because if you're with a bunch of weak people. Did y'all see that movie Three Hundred, where? It, 300 Spartans come, and there's 10,000 thespians or whatever, you know. And the guy's like, that's all you brought? He, and, and the Spartan said, yeah, what's your profession? He said, potter. He said, what's your profession? He said, I'm a plumber. He said, what's your profession? And you know, the guy said, well, I'm a scribe. And he said, Spartans, what's your profession? Soldier. He's like, I brought more soldiers than you did. <laughs> right? He brought 300 soldiers. This guy brought 10,000 people that were potters and, and, and plumbers and carpenters. With a small force of strong individuals that are highly disciplined, you can take out the entire planet. And that's what Jesus does when He comes back in Armageddon. We don't have to wait until then to have victory in life, though. I want to be strong now. I don't want my teeth kicked in by life. I don't want to be powerless. I want to win. Amen. Jesus said, the earth is our inheritance. Go possess it. You know what he told Joshua? He said, everywhere your foot trods, it's yours. I mean, if Joshua just stood there, that's all the ground he would have got. Y'all found this? That's what the, the Bible's telling you the same thing. Everywhere your foot goes, it can be yours to dominate. Don't be afraid to go out there and dominate. You can't do it by yourself, though. And you can't do it on your own agenda. Be like that guy on old school, whatever. Yeah, let's go streak it out! And then, and then what? The wives are like driving next to him in the minivan. Y'all remember that? No, they're all with me. No, they're not. You're on your own agenda, dude. You just got smoked. Y'all found that? That's the same, same attitude we've got to have towards being strong. With the Because we can win. Amen. You can't do it by yourself. Don't get entangled. Which see it just like that what what? My family's not first? No. Not if you signed up for the covenant, I'm sorry. Jesus never said you could sign up, you could, you know, make come with me, get all my riches on in life, but you just go do whatever you want. You're not gonna win in life. You you get to heaven, yeah, but your life will be hell here on earth. You won't win nothing. And you know what our job is in the millennial reign, the thousand years after the tribulation and all that? To reign. You know who gets to reign? Yeah, the holy ones. The ones that have sold out and are patriots. Remember this? Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Without patriotism, without you doing God's agenda, you won't, you won't have access to New Jerusalem. Wouldn't that suck? 
Jesus and God, they moved the throne to planet New Jerusalem right there, and you ain't allowed in the city because you ain't cleared? Why not? I was a believer back in 1989. <laughs> yeah? What'd you do? Were you disciplined? Did you forsake everything? Or did you get entangled in the affairs of this life? Were you on holiness? Were you on patriotism? Or were you on your plan? Oh yeah, I was on uh, my plan. Great, there's a little place out on the tip of Chile for you. We've got a house out there for you. About as far away as you can get from New Jerusalem. You can watch Jesus on TV. Well, I've showed you these scriptures in the past. You go back and li- listen to all that, that faith series. See, we don't think, we, don't, we just, I don't know what we're thinking half the time. If God promised it to me, I want it. Is that being greedy? No, I didn't make it up. I'm gonna, but I'm going to hold him to his word, too. I'm going to do it, and if I'm missing it, I'm going to find out where I'm missing it and fix it. Because I hate losing. I hate getting my teeth kicked in. You know what? Because I was bullied in school. Y'all believe that? I used to get beat up in middle school. Yeah. Regina believes it. And when I got to boot camp, I was fat. I lost 50 pounds in boot camp. I was weak physically, but you know what I wasn't? I wasn't feeble-minded when I got there. I let them make me strong. I got on with the program. A lot of people failed out. I was telling Jen, I was at a military school uh, for water survival instructor, combat water survival. Sixty people started the school. We graduated 12. I can't even tell you any of the names of the people that didn't make it. I can't even hardly tell you the names of the people that did make it. You know what? Those people that failed out, though, they got it. they carry that with them their whole life. And you know what? Not one of them got dropped out because we didn't like you. They all quit on their own. Every single one of them quit on their own. Same thing in Marine Corps boot camp. Tons of people got processed out. Every one of them quit on their own. Don't quit. We're not going. You know, I'll help you. I promise we'll help each other. But if you quit, I can't help you. All I can do is comfort you. You all following this? Because there is people that are are just like, I can't do it anymore. Yeah, you can. Mm -hmm. Then get with somebody and let them talk to you and get around you and thank God for those people that will come shoulder to shoulder with you and say, yeah, you can still do it. No, it's true. The Word's true. Mm -hmm. You know it's true. Yeah, I do. Newman, but I want to be—I want to be a sissy baby right now. Well, be a sissy baby. You got five more minutes. Go cry. All right, you're done. Let's go. We all need that. Everybody needs that. Iron sharpens iron. That's right. That's why it's so important when we come together. This ain't a game. I ain't playing church. Screw playing church. It doesn't help anybody. People die from all kind of stuff. They die early. They die. They, they go down the tubes. They lose their houses. They they just grind it out and just barely survive in life. They're doing the grind nine to five, trying to you know work three jobs just to make it all happen. And no, not in the covenant. Mm-mm. Man, God's good. Y'all had enough? Amen. We'll pick up more on this next week because we got more to talk about with the training side of it. What do you do? You know, we're just, just you know, I can't even get to it today. I had to get the basis of warrior culture down so we had that mindset. Now, what do we do practically in real life? Really, what can you do at home? What can we do to train ourselves? Y'all have been doing it already anyway. 
but it's good to put us in remembrance of it. Because sometimes when we, we, we kind of forget some stuff, you know, after a couple of days that falls off, three weeks later, six weeks later, next thing you know, we ain't doing it anymore. Amen? All right, stand to your feet with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word sealed in our hearts. I thank you for your goodness, Father. Holy Spirit, I thank you for coming alongside us and helping us, showing up when we need it, giving us the right thing at the right time, make the right decision in real life and real time. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.